I want to just um, talk to you briefly today about um, something very, which is the foundation for our success, is the foundation for what we do, okay, as Christians, and it's about a relationship with God. So this is very important. So if you permit me, I would like to talk about this for the next couple of Sundays because it's going to lay foundation for you as we as you go into next year, as you deepen your relationship with God. How many of you would really need, like to have a dynamic, good, meaningful relationship with God? Okay, all right, same here, same here. So I want to lay a quick foundation because you see, for many of these things, for example, if you see somebody stand, like it has happened to me a few times, and we're praying, and somebody say, God spoke to me, or, or God just said something to me, or somebody's reading the Bible, you're reading the same Bible, and the person comes, and in discussing a particular verse of scripture, or a particular story in the Bible, they tend to have some insights, they tend to see some things you're not seeing there. And you're like, huh, how did you see that? How did you know that? Okay. Uh, some people tend to, the Christian life, for some people, it tends to look easy. So you're wondering, so how do you do that? How to do that? But you see, the, thing, the whole thing is not designed. So for you, if, you, if you're not conversant with this, it will look like a mystery to you. It will look like something like black magic. But frankly speaking, God wants every one of us to have an appreciable, meaningful relationship with him. Every one of us to have a meaningful relationship with him. The greatest hurts and pain in life comes as a result of relationships. Okay? Some of you have experienced that already. Okay? Broken relationships, I mean. You know. So I want to speak to you about five things that is important in any relationship. This is not just about, I'm speaking, of course, about the relationship with God. And I'm going to apply it to relationship with God. But these five things apply to every kind of relationship, every type of relationship. Relationship with your siblings, relationship with your parents, your professional relationship in your place of work or business, okay? spiritual relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? relationship with God, the invisible God. It applies. And this is one of the reasons why people find it very difficult to build a meaningful relationship with God because they don't know that there are certain things that govern that, that governs relationships generally and govern that particular aspect. Okay? Is it okay if we share these five things? The first thing, please write it down if you're writing, is protocol. 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 That's the first thing in a relationship, in any kind of relationship that is important. Protocol. So I'm going to give you the five, then I'm going to try and unpack maybe one or two of them a little bit, then we'll continue next week. Okay? The second one is communication. Usually when people talk about this, they say, oh, communication is the most important thing in a relationship. That is true if protocol has been followed. But if protocol is not followed, communication is not the most important thing. You know, people say, oh, communication is the most important thing in a relationship. 
you got to have good communication. It's true, but it is only after protocol has been followed. So the first one is what? Second one is what? The third one is giving and receiving. Or you can use, one, if you want one word for that, sharing. Sharing. But giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. That's the third thing. So protocol, communication, giving, and receiving. Number four is privileged information. Privileged information. Privileged information. Okay? And number five is expression of love. Expression of love. Okay, so let's take it from the beginning again. Number one is what? Protocol. Number two? Number three? Giving and receiving. And number four? Very good. And number five? Right. So let's, let me do a quick illustration here. Let's talk about protocol, for example. So here is David here. So here, I've known David, let's say, for example, now. I've known David for 10 years. We've gone through different aspects of our relationship to the point right now whereby we're almost like on a first-name basis. So when David sees me, perhaps, let's just, as an example, just generally. David sees me and says, hey, PWA, how are you doing? I say, oh, I'm doing well. David, you good? And I like, give him, come on. All right. Shake hands with him, you know, we do chest bump and all of that. Then he's, sorry, what's the name, sir? Timmy. So Timmy suddenly shows up and says, wow, this guy kind of like friendly. Wow, I just saw my friend, you know, just connect with him. They're just like that. And Timmy comes, comes around and says, hey, Peter, how are you doing? And I'm like, how are you? And he's wondering, is this guy erratic or is he irrational or is he moody? Because this is what happens with people with God. Because there is a protocol to approach God. And you see, in your relationships that have worked, if you look at it very well, you follow a particular protocol when you meet somebody for the first time. Is that true or not? Yeah, you follow, when, you, when you resume, you go to work for the first time. There's a protocol. For all of us that have been through school systems and all of that, when, you, when you're in school system and they put you in the group, you know, maybe your lecturer or something, somehow, your professor says, you know, the five of you or six of you are going to be in a particular group and deal with a particular topic, okay, and put you all in group. The first time you're meeting, the first thing really you're doing is establishing protocols. Is that not true? So somebody says, oh, so who's going to, uh, like, kind of like, uh, you know, do this part and do this part, and quickly, we're going to need somebody that's going to be a team leader. Who's going to be team leader? Someone says, I can do it. Um, you look at it, mm, I don't think so. In your heart, you think, I don't know, I don't think so. I don't think you could do that. Uh, maybe you can be a team lead, but not my own team lead. You know, along the line, you spend the first one hour or so trying to figure out what the protocol of the team will be before you deal with the substance of the issue. Is that right? Yeah. You see, with your parents, for example, you have a protocol. For your, your protocol for your parents might be to greet them even if, even if, for most people of African heritage, okay, even if your parents, like, say, for example, you're the one in the house or you're in the place, you're in the lower floor in your house, your parents are bedroom upstairs, they came downstairs, you didn't see them, 
but they can see you. Okay? Generally, in the African culture, the parents don't greet his children first. True? <laughs> so, it looks like you're not happy with him, but it's true. That, that's what they do. So you see, you see, then they just keep on doing what they're doing. Then they expect you to somehow figure out that they're around. Now, if you are not figuring it out quickly, they ask, they say, can't you see? Yeah. Well, I can't see you because you're behind me. You can see me. But they say, can't you see? They say, oh, I can see you. Oh, hi, mom. That might be the protocol in your family. For some families, it's not hi, mom. Hi, mom will not do. Come on, am I explaining to anybody? Well, at least when I was growing up, hi, mom, hi, dad, wasn't going to cut it. It was a little bit deeper than that. Just let's just leave it that way. When I was growing up, it was a little bit deeper than that. For some, for some families, that's fine. For some families, your dad is Paul, your mom is Jane. You can say, hi, Jane, hi, Paul. For some, I said for some, I didn't say your family. Please don't pounce on me. <laughs> you know, I said for some, that might work for that family. But you can't take that protocol of that family, of your friend, now come back home to your house and see your dad, your mom and say, hi, Rebecca. She's just going to pull your ear and pull you into the room and teach you the protocol properly. So you have protocols. You have protocols with your siblings. Okay? So, for example, can you stand up before for a minute, please? So, so, let's say she's my sister right now, okay, because I'm using her as an example specifically because I was looking for somebody that I've known for a very long time. Is that okay? Okay, and I'm familiar with the, with the family. Okay, so I know her. I know her family, and I've known her for a while. So she's my sibling, let's assume. And I see her, just if I, uh, and we're walking to church like that way. Okay? She's my, she's my sister, sibling. But you can't do that with somebody you're meeting for the first time. Do you understand what I've just said? You can't do that with somebody, thank you so much, Jesus. You can't do that with somebody you're meeting for the first time. You just meet them the first time and say, oh, hi, how are you? And the person looks at them and says, fine, I'm fine. Now, what people don't understand is that God also has protocol. And I want to unpack that a little bit today. God also has protocol. It is true that God wants to be, God wants to be friendly. He said, God said, Abraham is my friend. And, you know, there's a point whereby we can be casual with God because God speaks to us as friends, particularly as New Testament Christians. But we have to note that while it can be friendly, it's still God. Do we understand this? It's still God. And because he's God, he has established protocol of how to access his presence. So let's look at this protocol a little bit. Psalm 100. Let's start from verse 1. We're going to read the whole psalm. Five verses in Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Keep going. Serve the Lord with gladness and come, come, come before his presence. How? Come on, guys, now. What's the protocol? Come into his presence with what? With singing. All right, all right. So it, goes, it gives us a bit more detail about this singing. It says, you've got to know why God is friendly. God can be our friend. But say, you've got to know that the Lord is God. He's God. He said, it is he who made us, not we ourselves, and we're the sheep of his pasture. So this knowledge has to be in your mind. That's why as you approach him, 
All right? Then he goes on to say, you enter his gates. Come on, how? With what? With thanksgiving tells you this is the protocol. You're entering a gate. Now, what happens in the Bible is this, that you need to understand. God uses symbolic language to give us adequate information about what is invisible. I'm going to repeat that. God uses symbolic language we can relate with to teach us about what is invisible that we cannot see with our naked eyes, with our physical eyes. So you can't see it. So God uses symbolic language here on earth. So you will see here things of gates and doors and things like that because God wants you to get an appreciation of what is going on. So he said, if you're going to come into his gates, you don't even reach his presence, but you're going through his gates. How do you go through the gates? Thanksgiving. Now, many of you know what a courtyard is, okay? A courtyard is, so that's just general, um, in Africa, they call it compound. So it's the general area after you left the gate, but you still not access a person. It's just a general area between the gate and the living area where the person is. It's a courtyard. Then so when you get into the courtyard, for you to cross the courtyard to start getting near him, you go to that courtyard with what? Praise. Praise. Thank you. So you access the gate with what? And the courtyard with? Now, now when you get into the courtyard, how am I now going to get into his presence. I want to get into his presence. That's where I'm going. So I've gotten through the gates. I've gone with what? Thanksgiving. I've gotten into the courtyard with what? Praise. So the best, the best way to get into his presence, listen carefully, is for him to look for you and bring you to his presence. This is the protocol of God. It's good you know this now. And the way for him to look for you to say, hey, come. Come here, Timmy. Come, yeah, 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 yeah. That's Timmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Timmy. Can you come in now? The way he does that is when you now worship. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. The hour is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now look at the same sentence now. The Father is what? Seeking. Yeah. So you're in the courtyard now. The father is seeking. He said, uh, I can hear the voice of a worshiper there. Is that, is that guy a worshiper? All right, all right. He walks and says, oh, you're a worshiper. My God, my God. Come in, 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 come in. And brings you into his presence. This is very important. This is the protocol of God. The one reason why many of us, some of you have never felt, felt the presence of God in your private life. So for some of us, God doesn't seem to be real. You've not felt the presence of God. So some of us, what we do is that we pray. Some of times we complain. Sometimes we complain slash prayer. You know, oh God, you can see what's going on right now. All my friends are now in a relationship and God, I'm just trying to try and do this Christian life and it seems not to be working for me. I don't even have a job or I'm struggling in school a little bit. This is happening to me, that's happening to me, and all of that. God help me. But to see, this is happening, that's happening. So we complain, and I'm not condemning anybody. Don't feel condemned about anything. Whatever I'm preaching about is what I've been through. I've been through that. You know, you do all of that. But the Bible is telling us that when you do that, 
you can't access his presence. And in his presence, that's where there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So if you are not going to have a meaningful relationship with God, you go to understand protocol. You know, for example, my full name, of course, you know, my first name is Wally. My full first name is Akinwale. Okay? But you'll never hear my wife call me that name. You can't hear her call me that name. That's what she calls me. Her favorite way of calling me is Akinwale. But you, you will not hear that. And the reason why you will not hear that is that we didn't discuss this, but just her. I just noticed that's what she does. When I'm in church around everybody, she just calls me simply pastor. That's all. She says, pastor. Pastor. That's what she just calls me when I'm in church. Let me get into the car now. So I'm going home. It's like, well, because it's just protocol for her. Because she knows that when I'm in church, she's just relating with me because that's the dimension I'm offering at that point. Making sense to you? Yeah, but when I'm, when I'm, when I'm with her alone, she didn't marry me as a pastor. She married me as a person, Akimwale. But I'm functioning here right now as a pastor. Do you understand that? Do you understand that when we're dealing with God, the reason why we don't feel his presence, it looks like God is far away, is because we don't understand this protocol. So what our circumstances and situations in life does, they conspire to help us break this protocol so that we never access God, so God is never real to us. So life puts pressure on us so much that you will want to break the protocol. And my challenge to you today is please do your best to keep to this protocol. When you keep to the protocol, like we just had now, uh, my son was singing Domwen song, you know, with a grateful heart. I lift my voice to you. And we're singing, we're giving God thanks. We're giving God thanks. When we're doing that, we're crossing his gates. You're catching God's attention. That's basically what they're saying. Then you're praising him. So then the question is, what is the difference between thanksgiving, praise, and worship? Some people think the difference has to do with the uh, speed of the song. So, you know, when something is a bit slow, like you're a good, good father, then that's worship. When something is a bit, a little bit faster, then it's either, that's probably praise and thanksgiving. That's wrong. I, sorry, I don't have a better way of saying it, but it's just wrong. Okay. Thanksgiving technically has to do with appreciating, appreciating God for what he has done for you or for somebody that's, you know, maybe your family or something. But it's for what God has done. That's the most important dimension of Thanksgiving. Are you following? So, if you you want to approach God, oh, Father, I want to thank you for keeping me alive or thank you for helping me to pass my exams or thank you for giving me good friends or thank you for putting me in a good family or thank you for giving me good health. You're thanking God for what he has done. Thanksgiving always has to do with the acts of God, the actions what God has done. No? Because what he has done is an expression of his goodness. So the Bible always says it is good to give God, to give thanks to God. Praise Psalm 9, verse 1. Psalm 9, verse 1. I will praise you, O Lord. Look at that now. With what? My whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. 
So what praise does, the difference between praise and thanksgiving, it's not in the speed of the music. The difference is that while thanksgiving talks specifically about what God has done for you, done through you, done with you, or done for somebody that is important to you. Make sense? Praise talks about the great exploits of God. Praise is when you talk or sing about the great exploits of God. So, let's talk about Travis Green's song then. You move mountains, you cause walls to fall. You see that? It's talking about you move mountains, you cause, where did he find that out? Well, it's in the scriptures. He caused the walls of Jericho to fall. Now, Travis Green, I guarantee you, has probably never seen a physical wall fall. But he's talking about the great acts of God. So that's praise. Does it make sense to you now? So if you want to pray now, you say, you know, you can do thanksgiving praise and worship without singing. But it's just that when you sing, it helps. So, for example now, so thanksgiving, Father, I want to thank you for the salvation of my soul. I want to thank you that I'm alive today. Thank you for keeping me in good health. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my son. Thank you for my daughter. Thank you for your church. All of that is thanksgiving. Then I want to move into praise. It can be extremely seamless. And I can go back and forth. Lord, I know you are a great God. You are the one that kept Daniel in the lion's den. You are the one that quenched this fiery furnace for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You are the one that brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and took them through the Red Sea. Now, that's praise. If you don't know the Bible stories, you're not familiar with it very well, and you should read more and more to be familiar with it. You can praise God for what you see in creation. Am I in the right church? <laughs> for what you see in creation. Father, I, you know, particularly some of you that are highly scientifically minded. Father, I praise you. You are the, uncre- you are the creator of everything. You created all the planets. You created the whole universe. You're the one that created the stars. You created the moon. You created the sun, the oceans, the seas, the hills, the mountains. They were all created by you. You know, microorganisms, giant organisms, everything were created by you. Now, that's praise. Make sense to everybody? Yeah. So you're praising God. You cross this courtyard. So what is worship again? Worship is when you talk about the character and the nature of God. The character and the nature of God. This is the character of God. You are a faithful God. You are a good God. You are a perfect God. You are the light of the world. Okay. The nature and the character of God. Okay? You are the good, good Father. Okay? You're kind. You're a merciful God. You're a comforter. You're an advocate. Holy Spirit, you're a teacher. All of those, that's worship now. You're talking about the nature, the attributes of God. And the way to find out the nature and the attributes of God is in his name. The names of God reveal the nature and the character, the attributes of God. So when we say God is El Shaddai. El is a short form of Elohim, which is God. Okay? El is a short form of Elohim. So anywhere you see El in the Bible, whether at the beginning of a name or at the end of a name, like Samuel, God is in that name. You follow? 
You follow? Elijah. Okay? That's God is in that name. Jehovah is God. Is God. All right. Okay. So when we say El shall die, it means the all-sufficient God. When we say Jehovah, Rapha, it means God, the great physician. Okay? So the names of God reveal the character of God. So when you call his names, Jehovah Adonai, Adonai means Lord, the owner of everything. Okay? So you can think like when we say, oh, king of kings, lord of lords, alpha, omega. Alpha, of course, is the first alphabet in the Greek language. Okay? Omega is the last alphabet in the Greek language. Basically saying that God is the first and the last of everything. Okay? All right? So this is worship. Is it clear to us now? So see the protocol again? Thanking God for what he has done to you, for you, in you, through you, with you, or for somebody or something that matters to you. Alright? That's thanking God. Praising God is about what? The great exploits of God. Great exploits of God. And worship is about what? The character and the nature of God. So you can, you can actually go back and forth, back and forth in this. But you understanding it helps you to know how you're moving. You see, when you do this properly, what you're doing is that you're following the protocol. As you follow the protocol, then what happens is that the next stage happens, which is communication. New Living Translation of Acts of Apostles, chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. New Living Translation. Acts of Apostles, chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Let's take a look. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Keep going. Just talked about the names of these people. Keep going. Keep going. Look at that. Stay, stay there. One day, the men were, what were they doing? Which basically is telling you that they've crossed his gates with thanksgiving, crossed his courtyard with what? Praise. Now they're into worship now. And what happened then, after they've made this protocol, then the Bible says the Holy Spirit, what? Said. So communication is starting now. So this communication happens when protocol is met. Now, let me say something to you about protocol, and I think I will probably leave it there for today. Um, one key thing about protocol is this. Once protocol is established in an organization or informally is established between people, a violation of the protocol makes, listen carefully, a violation of the protocol, no matter the urgency, will not yield the desired result. So, you want God to speak to you, you want something to happen, you violate the protocol. It will not bring forth the desired result. Now, some of you have expressed yourself in the kitchen before. I've, I've done that. One of the things, incidentally, I like doing is cooking. I didn't say I cooked very well. I just said I like doing it. Okay? Let's assume you're baking. And let's assume the particular protocol for what you want to bake says put it in the oven at 350 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, for 35 minutes. But your friend comes in and says, oh, no, 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 I'm seriously hungry. And you just put it in in five minutes. 
You say, I'm seriously hungry. We'll come, but don't worry about this. Sometimes this thing will work, sometimes it doesn't work, and opens the oven and brings it out. After five minutes, what do you think is going to happen? Is it going to be okay? Because you're breaking the protocol. That's the way you have to see it. It's yeah, you have the right to open up the oven door and bring it out, but it will not turn out. The desired result will not be like if you had followed the protocol. That's what many of us do with God. We break the protocol and we still expect the desired result to come out. Why? Why? Because we assume that because God is a God of mercy, that his nature as a God of mercy will override every other aspect of God's nature. But his nature as a God of mercy does not override any other aspect of his nature. It supplements it. It complements it. <laughs> so we keep doing it. And you know, the best way to do this is to build it into your life in a routine manner. Build it into your life in a routine manner. Be somebody that is constantly as a habit, starting with thank you. Thank you in everything. Oh, Father, I thank you. Oh, Father, I honor you. Father, I thank you. Many, many years ago, maybe about 15, 16 years ago, there was, there's a royal bank on, in Brampton by Queen and um, Main Street, I think. Just that, at that intersection, it used to be. Maybe it's not there anymore, I don't know. So I, I, I was going to that royal bank to you know, do, some, do a transaction, a personal transaction. As of that time, they had a parking lot, but only a few cars could get into the parking lot. You know, so you want to get in, and there's a man, man in the gates, not a gate, but you know, a barrier. And he can tell you, oh, sorry, it's full or whatever. Turn back, or we'll just not open it for you. So I remember as I got to the place, there was a car in front of me. The car just stood there for a long time. The guy was, you know, talking to the guy. They were having what seemed to be like a heated argument. So after a while, the guy looked at me, there was somebody behind me, he was honking for me, but I couldn't move because somebody else was behind me too. So anyway, so the guy in the little small boot came out and opened the barrier. The guy came into the parking lot and he told him to turn, turn back and he went out on the other side. So now I was faced with the guy. I was thinking, that means this parking lot is full. So I was just waiting to, for him to open up, to lift up the barrier again. You can follow what I'm saying, right? For me to go in and turn and come out again. But, you know, just as my nature is, I just, so when the guy, when he got to, I just greeted the guy, I said, good afternoon, sir. That's all I just said. I just said, good afternoon, sir. And the guy said, oh, the man said, you are the first person here today that has greeted me. He said, you are the first person today that has greeted me. He said, you know what, you find a parking space for you. So he came out of his boot, went to look for a parking spot, and told me to go there, took me there, said I should park there. I parked there, I came out, I said, ticket, and I said, no, no, don't worry, just go in. So I left, I went to the real bank, did my transactions, you know, what I had to do. When I finished what I had to do, I came out, I was moving, he was waving to me, I was greeting him too, and I came out. It was an experience for me. Sometimes protocol can give you what you don't have a right to. What you don't have a right to, or what other people think they have a right to, but what is unavailable or unattainable to them. But following the right protocol, you cannot imagine what it will give you. One person in the whole Bible that really 
understood this very, very well. As an example of it, is a man called David. David understood this idea of protocol. That's why he wrote a lot of the Psalms. He knew the protocol of approaching God's presence. Even before we pray, it is this, when we meet, we do follow this protocol. Then God becomes, friends, I'm telling you, God is real. God is real. I don't know how I'm going to communicate it, you know, uh, better than, you know, it's difficult to communicate that God is real. But God is real. He's living. <laughs> God is real. So, but for many people, God doesn't seem to be real because they've never felt God, they've never felt the presence of God, they've never had what is called a spiritual experience with God. When you have these experiences, you know that God is real. You know God is real. And what brings you into this arena of you really getting this manifestation of the reality of God is as you follow this protocol. My challenge to you today, and I'll round up then, is this. Between now and the time, by the grace of God, we meet again on next Sunday. I want to challenge you to follow the protocol of God in your devotional life this week. Is this something you can do? Come on, guys. Is this something you can do? Follow the protocol. Follow the protocol. Force yourself. Pardon me for my choice of language. Force yourself. Do it. Be decisive about it. I'm going to follow the protocol. Okay? Follow the protocol. And thank him. Praise him. You know, worship him. Initially, for some of you, you might start by being a bit awkward. Everything you've never done before looks awkward. But after you've done it for a while, it looks simple. Example, riding a bicycle. If you take a little toddler and you see riding a bicycle, the toddler is thinking, just like you thought also, how are you going to balance on these two wheels? Just like I think now, when I see somebody riding a unicycle, you've seen those people on cycles, right? Climb one unicycle and they turn around, those clowns. I'm saying to myself, how do you, excuse me, how, how do you do that? But you see, but the first time they did it, it was also awkward. But after a while, it becomes second nature. So I want to challenge you this week, do your best to do that. Follow the protocol. And you will begin to sense that God is near. You begin to sense that God becomes near. Because God can become near to you to the point whereby you can sense that you're not alone. That God is there. The presence, what they call the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, comes down and you sense God being near. It's not something that will make you afraid. It's just something that I can't, I can't explain it. But you just know that, wow, I was actually not just doing a chore of praying. It wasn't just a chore. It wasn't just a duty. It was a pleasure meeting your majesty. Stand on your feet like a champion.